Lord, we lift high your name. We give you thanks and praise. Lord, save us. Save us, Lord. We give you thanks. Lord, may you fill us with your spirit as we hear your word, as we listen to what you would say to us this morning. Do you change us, renew us, and inspire us to follow Jesus every day and in every way? We pray for the children and young people and their leaders as they go out to their groups. May you bless them as you bless us. Help us all together to learn more of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? As his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What she has said is quite true. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, Sorry. (laughs) We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Let me pray before we launch into our subject of doing evangelism. And there's so much to say on this subject. I want the Lord to rule out the things he doesn't want to say. And we want to hear, Lord, we want to hear from you. Um, your people here don't want to hear me they want to hear you and so we pray Holy Spirit come as we prayed a few moments ago Holy Spirit come come and and, uh, stir our hearts come and enliven us that we might hear what you want to say come and um, help me to forget the things you don't want to say and remember the things that you do and make us better at it as a result we pray in Jesus name Amen um, I'm going to dive straight in with, and, and I'm going to simply ask three questions. Why, what, and how? Why uh, do we or don't we do evangelism? Secondly, what is it? And thirdly, how do we do it? So I want to spend most of my time, I hope you'll agree as, as the right one, uh, on the last one. How do we do it? But why uh, do we struggle with this word, evangelism? As Ben said at the very beginning of the service, sometimes it is fear. Uh, We're going into alien territory. Um, We're living in an anti 
Christian or a non-Christian culture. And just as Jesus went into Samaria, which was a foreign land and a foreign country and uh, not the follower of Israel's God, um, we sometimes feel that, that element of fear. But also I think uh, we're sometimes afraid to share because if we feel the poverty of our own experience. After all, uh, what have I got to share? Do I have a living experience of the Lord to share? It's a challenge for us, isn't it? And as someone has said, the, um, uh, the best evangelism is the sharing of the overflow. Ben led us in this lovely little thing about, you know, what's happened or what have you seen that you can't, you just can't wait to tell people. And uh, that's exactly how Jesus wants us to be. I can't, I have to tell you. Do you remember in, in Acts chapter 4, um, at the previous chapter, um, Peter, James, John had been on the way up to the temple and, and healed this, this man at the gate, beautiful, gate of the temple. And um, everybody, as a result, wanted to, wow, we want to hear what these guys are saying. So they started preaching. But the authorities didn't like this, so arrested them and told them, you must not speak anymore in, in about this person, Jesus. And chapter 4 and verse 12, Peter replies, we cannot but speak. We have to speak of the things we've seen and heard. And that's where Jesus wants us to be, that, that we're so overflowing we can't wait to tell people. And it is wonderful news, isn't it, actually? Isn't it the most wonderful news in the world? Don't you remember when somebody told you and you thought, oh, it's wonderful, thank you, Lord. Lord, would you do that in us, that we might share from the overflow? But if it's not the poverty of our experience or fear that keeps us, sometimes I think the biggest drawback, the biggest impediment for many of us is ignorance. We just don't know how to do it. Evangelical Alliance a little while ago did a survey and discovered that 85% of Christians believe it's their job to share the gospel but don't know how to do it and wouldn't know what to say. Well, if you don't, no wonder we don't do it. So I want to spend a bit of time on how in a moment. I want to be as practical as possible and give you a few tools. But secondly, let me just ask the question, not just why, but what. What is it? What is this thing called evangelism? Very simply, it is sharing the good news of Jesus with someone simply and clearly in such a way that they are able to make a response to him. Shall I repeat that? It is sharing the good news of Jesus, that's the word gospel, good news, with someone clearly and simply in such a way that they are able to make a response to Jesus. And the great thing is that it's his work. We're powerless to draw anyone to Jesus, but he isn't. I will draw all men to myself, said Jesus. We are the messengers to show them the way, and Jesus will put out his hand towards them. What a relief that is, isn't it? Now, of course, we're not all evangelists. Uh, they love just telling people, and what's more, they're good at it, and they have a gift in doing it. Dear Billy Graham uh, was one of the most gifted evangelists we've had. Led millions of people to the Lord. Now the interesting thing is that as you listen to him, as I have with other friends at times, we wouldn't say he was the most wonderful preacher, or his uh, content was just amazing, but he had a gift. And the gift was leading people to Jesus. What a wonderful gift. 
No, we're not all evangelists, but we are all witnesses. You will be my witnesses, said Jesus, just after the resurrection, before the ascension. You will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And being witnesses of Jesus means, of course, that not only by what we say, but actually how we live, the whole package is that which witnesses for Jesus. Uh, the, oh, a week or two ago, I had a coffee at one of my favorite places that I guess many of us frequent from time to time, Cafe Neon on the Bourneville Green. Oh, it's a nice spot. And uh, I had a coffee there with an old friend, and uh, we were catching up. We hadn't seen each other for ages. Well, uh, how each other's families were. And uh, she told me about her eldest daughter, we'll call it, <coughs> who drifted right away from the Lord. And... <coughs> And uh, she'd had a, a, a baby. And uh, um, as my friend said, um, he is not a natural mother and didn't know what on earth to do with this baby. So she went along to t toddler somewhere and uh, looking for a bit of support and a bit of help and a few tips and met a couple of mums who turned out to be Christians, though she didn't realize it at the time, but she liked them and they were kind to her and they just helped her along the way. And after a few weeks had gone by of doing this, of course, they met up more often, and then they took them to their church. And she came back to the Lord, and she said to her mother these interesting words, I have been loved back into the kingdom. You and I don't know the half of what, you know, what we do, do we? So important, isn't it? You're writing a gospel, a chapter a day, by all that you do and all that you say. Men read what you like, whether faithful or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? We are witnesses. So, we know what it is. We know why we don't do it sometimes. Finally, then, how do we do it? Now, I won't spend the rest of my time on it, and I will endeavor not to be too long on this bit, but it's important. I want to try and give you some tools, and I want to give you four. Listen. Ask good questions, pray, and practice. Listen. We watch Jesus, the master soul winner, in his interaction with uh, the woman of Samaria, as with so many different people, that he enters her world. Um, he's in Samaria. He's in foreign territory. He's going where her world is. Um, and it may feel alien sometimes, but we need to get into people's worlds. We need to build bridges. Actually, it's interesting, the first thing that happens, would you mind giving me a drink? Very simple that, actually, isn't it? <laughs> and actually, you put yourself in somebody else's debt, and the conversation, the relationship begins. And building bridges actually does mean caring enough to enter somebody else's world, not just wanting to share what I want to tell you. It's caring enough about them to say, I'm actually going to be prepared to do a bit of what you do, you're doing. Um, some of you may remember David Shepherd, who um, played cricket for England. He opened the batting for England. And uh, uh, he became Bishop of Liverpool at one time. Some of you may remember. I did a lot of other things too. When uh, David was uh, a student at Cambridge, um, he wasn't a Christian at all. It had nothing to do with Christian things. And uh, he... Um, a chap called John Collins met him at a party. John was training at Ridley Hall for ordination and ended up 
years later as um, rector of Hodgson's um, Brompton in London. And much of what's gone on there since began under him, really. Uh, Nicky Gumbel was his curate, and uh, so it's moved on. Anyway, uh, when uh, John was training and he met uh, David at some party or other, God put David on his heart. That's what you and I need to pray for. Lord, would you put the people you want on my heart? We've got all sorts of people around we could pray for, and we're going to do a bit about that later. Um, but, but who do you want to put on my heart, Lord? God put David on John's heart. <laughs> and uh, he thought to himself, well, if I'm actually going to do something to reach David, I should have to get into his world. He hated cricket, which didn't help very much, did it, really? But he was prepared to put that aside because of his care for David. So he went along to watch David playing cricket at Fenners for Cambridge. And uh, he thought, well, I'd better find out about the game. I know nothing about cricket at all. So he started reading Wisden, which is the cricketer's almanac. <laughs> so, he so he could have a conversation with David about cricket. So they became friends. And John, in time, had the great joy of leading David to Christ because he got into his world and, and was cared enough for him to put aside his own particular likes and dislikes for the sake of the one that Jesus was reaching. So it means befriending them, getting alongside them. 44% of practicing Christians, you, you know, uh, were told the good news by a family member or a friend. Friendship evangelism, it's so important. 43% of young people would actually like to hear about Jesus, according to this survey from EA. But they'd like to hear it face to face with a friend, not on a screen. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? The amount of time I spent on screens. And of course, uh, many, many people now have never heard. They don't know the story. And Billy Graham's organization used to say that people need to hear the gospel seven times before it really sinks in and they respond. I don't know whether they're right or not, but um, some have uh, heard, but don't understand. And part of listening is learning to ask good questions. Jesus was often asking good questions. He was a great questioner, wasn't he? People asked him a question, so he'd give one back. And one of his favorite questions is, what do you want me to do for you? He asked that to one or two people. A little while ago, I had a phone call from Angie. Angie is a Christian nurse, or was, she's moved on now, at the hospice. And um, she'd gone out to meet uh, to see uh, who was a patient to see whether or not it was appropriate for him to come in uh, to the hospice perhaps to spend the last months of his life he was in his late 20s in the army and he was suffering from terminal cancer and she visited and, and, and his wife at home and uh, she saw beside his bed a bible and she asked a very good question do you read it he said I do now interesting isn't it then she asked another very good question. Now, what would, you, what would your next question be? Have a think. What would you ask? Absolutely, John. Question number two. Well done, John. He's still awake. Would you believe it? <laughs> Do you understand it? Not much, said Alex. Well, she said, would you like me to, come, to ask someone to come and explain a bit of it to you? Oh, yes, please. So she rang me and I went. I had the great joy of leading them both to Jesus, and it was just a joy to see them both grow. 
he did come into the hospice, and three months later he died. And uh, um, charged me if I take the funeral. And so we took up to Glenrothes in Scotland, where he came from. And we had a funeral with about 200 young people in their 20s and 30s. And on their way up, she said to me, Chris, I've been thinking about this. May I say something at the funeral? I said, of course you may. You feel up to it. Yes, she said, I want to tell them what's happened to us. She gave the most wonderful testimony at the funeral. I can't tell you what it did amongst all these young people. Now, I don't know what's happened to all of them. None of us do. But I tell you, it came out of two good questions. Do you read it? Do you understand it? Good questions. I was invited, uh, I was asked to, to go and see a, a young mum about inquiring about a baptism. Uh, we'll call her. And uh, uh, we got to know each other and we chatted and so on. And she'd had the most dreadful time. And her husband had left her and beaten her up and all the rest of it. It was awful. And uh, she tried to bring up this little one and things weren't going well. And I said to her, good question, I think this one, not bad. What would you most like? And she said, peace of mind. What should I say, Lord? So I got one of my little cards out from last week. But this one was blank and I wrote on it, John 14, 27, which is one of the TMS verses. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And I gave it to her, and I said, have a think about that. That's his promise to you. And if you'd like me to come back and explain how you can know that peace, I'll very happily do so, which I did. Questions help. Listen, ask good questions. Thirdly, pray. Pray. Now, a number of things to say about the, the prayer side of, of evangelism, which is absolutely crucial. Nothing will happen unless we pray. Ask God to show you where he's at work. I said a moment ago, didn't I? Lord, who do you want to put in my heart? And what he will do is he will put on your heart people in whose heart he is at work. So, Lord, will you show me where you are at work. And then, Lord, secondly, would you show me what to say? Because we know, often don't know what to say, do we? And he promises, doesn't he? He says to those who are being arrested, don't have to worry. I, on that day, it will be given you what to say. And God has a wonderful way of, of showing us what to say. And in this lovely uh, in, interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, um, after he's asked for water and he uh, excites her interest when he says, uh, you know, if you knew who was, uh, I'd give you living water and so on. Um, and then he comes out with this extraordinary thing. Go and call your husband. What's that got to do with it? Well, of course, what's happening here? What had happened was that Jesus is moving in the power of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given him what Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 12, in the list of gifts, the gift of a word of knowledge. So he knew something about her from the Holy Spirit, something that had gone on in her life. Now, God can do that for us, to give us insights into people as to what's really happening for them, so that what we then say becomes relevant, touches them where they are. 
And sometimes it can, um, uh, you can f uh, find that someone you're talking to is really quite hostile. Don't be put off by hostility. That can be actually quite a good sign that something's going on in here. It's actually apathy that, <laughs> that's more difficult. <laughs> and when people are so nice, pray that people aren't so nice. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, I mentioned Billy Graham I, uh, years ago. I had the great joy and privilege, it was a great privilege, of being on Billy Graham's mission team to Cambridge. And uh, uh, we all, each college had an assistant missioner, and I was missioner at Trinity Hall. And uh, each day we'd go around meeting different groups, and I would speak to different groups in the, uh, the, the CU organized for me to do uh, in the college. And uh, on one occasion, about midweek, I went to a sherry party. I have lots of sherry parties in Cambridge, you know, <laughs> uh, with the oarsmen. Actually, they'd much preferred to have had a pint, but there we are. Um, and so I, I, I gave a, a short talk in, beside all these enormous chaps that were up there, you know, enormous, very beefy fellows. And um, one guy called absolutely fired at me and shot me down the moment I finished. Load of rubbish, you know, and really had a go at me. Anyway, that was the end of that one. I was quite pleased to be finished with that one. So um, at the end of the week, I had a list of people that uh, I wanted to follow up and, and, and go and see one-to-one, -one, because oh, very often you need to get them away from the group. That's another thing to pray about. Or give me an opportunity to get John or so on their own. And uh, it was Sunday afternoon, the last day of the mission, and... Uh, I'd, I was working through my list, and I'd, I'd, I'd got two or three left, and I'd knocked on their doors, and the, the, they were all out. Until I got to the bottom of the list, and he was on the bottom, this was... F I thought, oh, Lord, I do there's no point in going to see... F anyway, I had no one else to go and see, so I thought, well, I'd better go and do it. So, Sunday afternoon, I knock on his door. The door was open, so I pushed my way in, and he was, he'd been to the, uh, the, the, the oarsman's dinner the night before, so he was a bit tanked up, and he wasn't feeling very well. So he had, a, um, he had a blanket around him, but he was sitting there with a Bible open in front of him. And I said, hello, what are you doing? And this was what he said. I'm trying to find God. Would you help me? That afternoon he came to know the Lord. And he ended up as a missionary in the Sudan. And that was the guy who shot me down in flames. And I asked him, why did you shoot me down in flames? He said, I was really uncomfortable here, but I couldn't show you that in front of my mates. That was not cool. And very often that's why we need to get people on their own, because in front of other people, you don't see a, diff you see a different picture. So don't be afraid of hostility. Pray, Lord, where are you working? Sometimes, you know, you can offer to pray for them. And actually I've seen on a number of occasions... You can be having conversations and this and that, and it doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. And um, I've had a number of uh, times, particularly it's, it's with, I found with, with hospice people, but, but lots of others too, um, you know, we can be talking. And, and then I say, well, I'll tell you what, but before I go, can I say a prayer for you? And people will very rarely say no to being prayed for, um, particularly if there's a bit of need going on in here. And time and again, I've found time without number, as you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to come, things get opened up.
So just offer quite simply to pray because then it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity. And you're saying, it's over to you, Lord. It's not just a conversation happening between, between us. Of course, the other reason you need to pray is we're in a battle. And the devil does not want to see any of the people we're seeing, seeking to reach uh, have anything to do with Jesus at all. And he'll do his darndest to make sure that they, that they don't, won't he? So we're in a battle. And in the battle, you have to use spiritual weapons. And of course, prayer in the spirit is the most important thing of all. Um, years ago, uh, um, Ben's going to share with us something very helpful in a few minutes. But before he does, um, I do remember, uh, it's, it's similar to what Ben's going to do with us. Um, years ago in the Billy Graham Crusades, they introduced us to prayer triplets. Some of you will remember prayer triplets. And uh, many of us have been part of prayer triplets. Some of, them, some of us still are. And what you, do, what you do in prayer triplets is three of you meet when you wish to, once a fortnight or something, for half an hour or so to, prayer for th to pray for the three people on your list that you'd long to know Jesus. So you've got three and your friend's got three and your friend's got three. You're praying for nine people. And again, I don't know how they get these figures, but the Billy Graham organization would say that something like 80% of the people who come forward in their crusades were on someone's prayer triplet list. They've been prayed for. So we're going to do a bit of that um, in a moment. I encourage you in that. Lastly, uh, we've talked about listening, asking good questions, praying. Finally, train and practice. I want uh, to talk about two simple tools. Uh, one is a simple way of being able to share the good news in a few minutes, three, five minutes, so that people can respond. And the other is being able to share your story, your testimony, uh, in a way that's uh, relevant and meaningful and easy to listen to. I don't know whether any of you ever took part in a thing called evangelism explosion. Anybody done EE? Oh, Martin has. Great. I knew you'd make a good granddad, you know. Absolutely wonderful. Um, evangelism explosion came over from America. It, it, we don't use it much in this country now, but we, we did for quite a long period of time, and right through the 80s, uh, when I was up in Oldham, we used it. Uh, what it does is it simply tries to... Um, you have a group of people, and you're seeking to uh, teach them how to share the gospel and how to share their testimony, and then you take them out visiting... Uh, with you uh, so that they learn how to do it. But uh, not, not only do, do they learn um, up here, they practice doing it. So every Friday night when I was a vicar in, in uh, Oldham we did for a number of years, we would have visits booked and in teams of three we'd go out. But we'd meet at seven o'clock to, to pray and practice first. And uh, in twos and threes we would practice sharing each other's story with each other and then responding to how uh, you know, how did that come across? Uh, what, what, what could I tweak here that to make it more relevant? In, and how much um, verbiage am I putting in that's unnecessary and all that? And then we'd practice, uh, take it in turns to practice sharing the good news and leading someone to Christ. So I would be led to Christ by, by my uh, friend in, in, the, in the practice. And, and we do that in five minutes. And uh, it, uh, all I can say is that uh, we, we did see some people come to Christ, which is lovely, not as many as we would have liked. But the great thing about it was we found then we had got 
a, uh, quite a group of people who were confident in sharing the gospel and sharing their testimony out there and doing it and getting on with it. I encourage you. I've, one thing I forgot to bring with me was I got a stack of, there are all sorts of booklets with little outlines of the gospel that you can use. I've got a stack of ones by Agape, which um, when I remember next, I'll bring them here. And that just gives you a simple outline you can use in sharing the gospel with, um, with other people. Uh, e has, uh, begins with two diagnostic questions. How, how do you like these questions? Have you come to a place in your life when you know for certain that if you were to die tonight, you'd be going to heaven? That's a humdinger, isn't it? Now, what do you think the common response to that is? What was that? I hope so. Yes, that's the 99% response. I hope so. <laughs> well, yeah, occasionally, but the most common one is, I hope so. And maybe most people do hope so. <laughs> but then the second question is, well, suppose you were to die tonight, not being morbid, but suppose we're all going to one day. Suppose you were to die tonight, and God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? What do you think the most... Yes, 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 but you would, John. Of course you would. Um, but what do you think the common response is to that one? What was that? Well done, Mike. That's number one. Well, I've not done anybody any harm, always tried to do my best, etc., etc., etc. And then says the presenter of the gospel, you know, when I came here, I thought I got good news for you. Now I know I've got the best news in the world. And then you very simply go and share why that's not good enough. Why? Because the good thing about that is you can never be sure. I want to share with you a way in which you can be sure. And you share about um, why our best isn't good enough. And you talk about sin, we talk about the cross, and then we actually simply lead them to Jesus. It's very simple. I will put the booklets on there when I remember. I'm so sorry to forget them today. Um, but it needs to be done in a few minutes um, because people will only listen for a very few minutes, won't they? It's amazing, actually, how much. Have you noticed how much a 30-second advert, advert can fit in? So it's a challenge to us. How much can we fit in in a short time that's really will help people to get to the place. And of course, um, Peter says in his, in his first letter in chapter 3, um, always be ready to give a, an account for the reason that's in you, with your testimony and how to share the good news. Last thing is on testimony, and then I've finished. Interesting, isn't it, that um, this woman, having had this um, time with Jesus, and then she'd gone back and told everybody else about it, we read in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. The power of personal testimony, the power of a person's story. I don't know about you, but I love hearing somebody's story, don't you? But it needs to be relevant. It needs to be short. We know we don't want to go on all day, so I'm nearly finished. Um, and therefore, uh, what we used to do with, with, with the E groups was this, which I encourage you to do. Try starting by writing down your story. And when you've written it down, read it through, time it. And if it's more than three minutes, you've got to, well, you've got to do a bit of editing at that point. Three minutes. People might listen for three minutes. And you might say to them, may I share with you something that's become, become so important to me in my life? And lots of people will... will um, say, of course. 
Or uh, sometimes you, you might say something like, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to share uh, uh, about Jesus with people. Could I try it out on you? That, that works quite well, actually, surprisingly. Um, anyway, having written it down, and then, then practice it with another person. This is where our small groups are so helpful. Because the great thing about it is that you can practice these things in any small group. Uh, well, you know, we thought about all the groups, haven't we, a week or two ago. Uh, because that's a safe place. And in, uh, encourage you to, to, to um, practice it now and then with each other. And then when you, when you hear somebody's three-minute testimony, respond to it lovingly, positively, critically. What could be better about it? There are three things you're looking for in the testimony. One, what was life like before I became, became a Christian or before I came to know Jesus? Now, some of us, like my, my wife, doesn't remember a time when she didn't know Jesus. Okay, that's, that's fine. Um, but some people uh, do remember what it's like. And it's worth telling people what it was like, you know, for, for me. Uh, what were you put off by? I was put off by organized religion for years. So briefly share about that. Secondly, how did you come to know Jesus? That actually helps people come to see so that's how it's done, is it? That's how you can do it. That's how I could do it, perhaps. Very simply. And then thirdly, equally important, if not more, what's he doing? What's he been doing? What's the differences he made? And that needs to be kept up to date. What's he doing for me today? That's what people want to know, isn't it? Very simple. You can do that in three or four, three or four minutes. And um, keep it up to date. You probably know the story of the man who had a very famous testimony. He was invited to give it all over the place, which he did. Wonderful testament, these fantastic things. Ours are much more simple. And uh, he was asked to give it for ages. And then all of a sudden, the invitations dried up. It wasn't asked anymore. So he put his notes away in his drawer. And then a year or two later, out of the blue, came an invitation to share his testimony. Oh, he thought, I'd better get my notes out. So he opened the drawer, and the mouse had eaten his notes. So he had to... Yeah, sorry, John, I know I, you've heard all these. <laughs> um, so, so he had to um, write it all, all over again, up to date. Keep it up to date. And uh, practice it. Practice it with each other. The other thing you can do is, nowadays, which you couldn't do years ago, is you can video yourself. Why not do a video, a three to four minute video of you sharing your testimony? And then you can say to a friend one day, can I just show you a little testimony? I'd like to know what you think of it. I want to do it better. There you are. You're looking really excited. Okay, there's a lot more I could, I could uh, talk about, but I think we'd better stop it at this point. Uh, let me share you with, with you a scripture for you to learn uh, on, on, as we finish. The wonderful words of Paul at the end of his letter to the... Colossians in chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be thankful. Be watchful. Where is God working? Pray for us that a door may be opened so that we can proclaim the mystery of Jesus, proclaim the good news, as we should. So we can pray for each other in our groups that they, we might have a door open to share the good news and share it as we, as we, as we ought. Uh, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Let's pray for each other that we can actually pray and, and pass it on clearly. Explain it clearly. 
um, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. It's about our life, isn't it? Before our lip. Make the most of every opportunity. Lord, I've missed so many opportunities. Help me to be ready for the next one. And uh, let your conversation be always full of grace. You may disagree with the person, but always full of grace. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Colossians 2, 4, 2 to 6. Recommended. Shall we pray? And then I'll hand back to Ben. Thank you for your patience. Lord, we thank you for the wonder of the gospel that's changed our lives. And we know that it's the power of God to salvation to those who believe. Uh, and we know that there's nothing like it. It's dynamite. And we pray that you will help us get better at sharing it. We pray that you will help us to keep close to you that, so that we're sharing it out of the overflow that we keep our testimonies up to date and help us to learn how to share simply how a person can come to know you. And show, would you show us, Lord, put on our hearts those people uh, that you, in whom you're working and uh, for whom you'd like us to pray and to seek to draw them to you. So we give it all to you, Lord. Thank you for calling us to this wonderful work. In Jesus' name, amen.